I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. story, the peach may very well be my favorite. That spot along the Camino Alto Altar Mayor is truly spectacular. The view is beautiful, but also just being there on the highest point along the Camino does something to your soul. If I can find the picture of me eating a peach on that highest point, I'll post it. But of course, there's more to this story. So now, the peach. whizzes by me. Mirrors sunglasses. Big smile. Now he's on a motorcycle. Jesus. I stop in my tracks realizing who it is. He's riding that motorcycle like a cowboy rides a horse. Then I hear the engine stall and look ahead to see him stopped along the side of the road, propped on one foot, straddling the old motorcycle, smiling at me. He gestures for me to join him. My heart leaps and I jump on behind him, pack and all, before any part of my rational brain can protest. We ride past a pasture, where as usual with him, the cows pause and moo in greeting. It strikes me that it was like watching that lion saunter through the Maasai Mara. When a lion was anywhere nearby, all of the animals there would pause when he was present, acknowledging but not exactly welcoming him, as he wasn't primarily nice nor particularly safe. The pause was driven by a deep instinct upon sensing that a powerful presence was nearby, even when the lion was just walking through. This felt like that. And like that first time I followed him on the road, the colors seemed brighter, the wind sweeter, and all nature really fundamentally more alive. Where are we going? I shout. To the top, he responds. We are going back where I just came from. It's a steep ascent back up to the highest point of the Camino, where I had paused about an hour before to eat a peach like a good Georgia girl. Why? I asked. You forgot something, he said. Hmm, true. I had lost a pair of sunglasses, a picture, and a phone adapter, but in general, I was pretty good at keeping up with my stuff. What could I have left? And wait. How did he know that something was mine? But questions while I was with him had this sweet way of clearly forming, but then settling down and waiting patiently until it was their time to be answered. The demanding nature that questions wielded in my normal mental mode was quieted with him, almost like a man quieting his lover's worried words by a kiss on her lips. So I simply wondered while we zoomed up the S-curves of this mountain road, preferring immensely to focus on the feel of the wind in my hair. You are wondering, no doubt, how Jesus drives a motorcycle. Simply put, fast and free. Can you call Jesus a daredevil? Is that appropriate? Jacques Ellul's phrase, holy troublemaker, came to mind. Someone who does not accept the world as it is 
but insists that it become the way God wants it to be. Going back up the mountain, we were following the road instead of going on the trail. Every now and then, though, the trail would cross the road, and we would give a hearty wave and buen camino call to the pilgrims nearby. I loved that Jesus seemed just as comfortable on this motorcycle as he was as a fellow pilgrim on foot, and I respected that he was willing to walk, too. The whole time he hummed a tune. Every now and then we would gain on a car ahead of us, and like he didn't have a care in the world, Jesus would zoom around it. Once we came around a curve to the left and met a bus that was coming into our lane. I squeezed my eyes closed, squeezed his waist tighter, heard the honk, held my breath, waited, peeked one eye open and saw open road. And to beat it all, Jesus never stopped humming. At my exhale, he smiled. I realized then that there was something missing from his experience. Fear. I'm not saying he never felt fear. He just didn't allow it to factor in. He wasn't motivated by it. He wasn't a daredevil. Daredevils try to beat fear, but in doing so, acknowledge its power. To Jesus, fear simply didn't deserve that energy. I drew closer to him as we zoomed upward, not clutching him because I was afraid of the road, but wanting to be as close to his vitality and freedom as possible. We made it to the highest point the road went and left the motorcycle on the side. We walked up the trail to the top of the ridge, which looked out over a large valley. He reached the rock outcropping first, still humming. I stepped up behind him, out of breath, saying, My hands are still sticky from the juice of the peach I ate up here a little while ago. He turned back toward me, smiling and holding a still damp, still sticky peach pit. Is this what I forgot? Well, you forgot to plant it. With a little shrug of my shoulders and a little sarcasm in my tone, I said, Oh, right, silly me. Without a break in his smile, and with a little added sparkle thrown in, he said, Worth a try. So we hopped down on the far side and began to dig with our hands. It struck my rational brain that this was a silly thing to do. This climate and elevation did not seem conducive to growing peach trees. But that thought had no weight in the situation because it was overshadowed by things that made deeper sense somehow. Being with this fascinating person in this significant place, encouraging something to grow. So we happily dug a hole, dropped the peach seed in, and replaced the rocky dirt. And that, apparently, was that. We sat in silence beside the tiny garden we had created. I took out my water bottle, offered Jesus a sip, took a sip myself, and then realized that the little seed might appreciate some as well. First, I just gave it a sip, but then abandoned one of the primary rules of the Camino to always have water and joyfully poured the rest onto the mound of dirt. There he was again, smiling at me, but at my show of generosity, he added a wink. And we sat together on that mountaintop, basking in the sunset, but more so in the ecstasy of helping something to grow. I'm not sure how long we sat there together, but there came a time when I noticed he was gone. I had come to understand this was his way. But it meant that I was alone on this rocky, desolate hilltop, and it was getting dark. 
One immense perk of walking the Camino is that you have mostly everything you need with you at all times, and although I was alone and the air was chilled, I felt invited to spend the night cozily and without fear right there by our little garden. In the precious pre-dawn, the still was broken by the sounds of two reverent voices. Early morning starts are one of the most sacred experiences on the Camino. Much like nature, you want to be as quiet as possible to match the stillness of the early morning dark. The times when I had started before the dawn, I willed the quantum pockets of air between me and the ground to be a cushion so that my footsteps would be as quiet and undisturbing as possible. Pre-dawn reminds us of all of the potential in the world before things take on the shapes that we see in the light. In the dark, you can wonder if things are really as you think they are, or if what you think you know is really the whole story. As the hushed voices got closer, I curled in tighter to the rock, hoping that I would not disturb their peace, nor be forced out of my dreamy state myself. They settled into a spot nearby, and we shared the experience of darkness being infused with light. Profound. Like the change of seasons, where in the summer it's hard to imagine that all of the green, rich leaves and the trees will vanish, and then consequently, during the winter, that the bare trees will somehow, and miraculously so, be richly adorned again. So it is with each dawn. One moment the world is dark, and light can seem merely like a dream, but sure enough, in midday, there we stand, shading our eyes. And so it is with the seasons of life and with life and death itself. All of this I silently pondered in my heart as the sun rose and brought light, shaping all of that potential into form. And the form of a baby sapling caught my eye. The fact that this sapling was growing on top of the little garden mound Jesus and I had made the evening before was hard enough to believe. But even more mysterious was the fact that as my eyes began to believe that it was really there, I watched as a tiny peach leaf unfurled itself in all its potent splendor. I sat transfixed over the course of the morning, watching this little tree grow inch by inch it was like watching children grow. If you live with them and see them day to day, you don't really notice that they are growing. But if you are away for a few months, then the change is clear. Such it was with the sapling. If I gave it my unwavering attention, I wondered if it had ceased growing. But if I squeezed my eyes shut and counted a slow Mississippi tin... Then when I opened my eyes, yes, another leaf, another bit of height. Periodically, pilgrims would detour from the main path and make their way up to that rock. What registered in their brain was a woman looking intently at a small tree. And although I knew better than to try to explain, I did invite a few to sit with me. It was only late in the afternoon when one young German woman, Yvonne, chose to actually sit with me. She chatted on about this day's experience so far, taking off her boots, stretching her feet out, and sighing. I listened politely, wondering when she might notice. It was during her robust, full-of-German-expletives account of the woman that earlier that day had insisted on walking too closely and breathing too loudly that she stopped short and gave a little gasp. The tree 
had chosen that moment to burst forth its first white bloom, which Yvonne hailed with a few more German expletives. She took a long look at the tree and then a long look at me. Holy shit, she said. Holy indeed, I replied. Without another word, she put her boots on, patted me on the back, and started walking down the hill. God knows what was going through her mind. Well, and probably Jesus. As a deep drowsiness came over me, and I started habitually to unlace my boots, I realized that I hadn't put them on all day. Holy ground indeed. I settled in for a second night next to our little tree. The morning arrived, and I was awakened not by the silent sunrise or fellow pilgrims, but by my stomach rumbling. Jesus had brought me, on a motorcycle no less, to this peak two nights before. I had not brought food with me, and I had given all my water to the peach seed. I had unwittingly fasted in response to being on holy ground. Ha! Even so, I groaned a little, thinking of the long, long descent to Molinesca, which I would be making hungry and thirsty. Right on cue, I opened my eyes and peered up at the most perfect peach I have ever seen. And that is how I came to eat a second peach, there on that highest point on the Camino. Holy peach, I said, as I let the juice run down my chin and looked around for Jesus. Jesus.